Hey, hey, Cubs fans, and welcome to this edition of Cubs on Tap. It's a very special edition today. We got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to cover. We got a lot of different voices on this episode. But first and foremost, I am your host for the evening. I am Ron Luce. And at this moment in time, I am joined by my co-host, the Juice Man himself. He is back. What's up, Juice? How are you today, bud? Juice, Juice Man, Ronnie. How you doing, buddy? Twenty. You know, today it's, it's a very uh, sad and uh, also joyous day for Cubs fans, remembering it's the 22nd anniversary of Harry Carey's death, and I often get brought back to Harry Carey and what he would be like today. And with the new manager, David Ross, out there, who can imagine the jokes that Harry Carey would have up his sleeve with all the Dancing with the Stars stuff and this SNL skits after they won the World Series. You know, just, uh, you know, rest in peace, Harry. We still miss you. Absolutely. Rest in peace, Harry Carey. There's a, there's a reason that, you know, when the Cubs won the World Series, so many people went to his grave and put green apples on his grave um, from his, his very famous saying. So, uh, very, very cool. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it is a crazy day. You know, Cubs baseball's back um, yesterday. So when we're recording this, it's Tuesday. So when you'll be listening to it, it's Wednesday. But Monday um, was team opening for spring training. So everybody reported by Monday. Um, the guys were already taking work. Jason Kipnis in a Cubs jersey looks kind of weird, uh, given you know the history. Obviously, he's from Northbrook, um, but famously was on that Indians team that the Cubs beat in the World Series. Um, yeah, what else has been going on? Obviously, the the norms are back. You know, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, uh, those guys are in full swing. Wilson Contreras, Kyle Schwarber, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, all the pitchers are getting in their work. Uh, most notably, I think two guys that a lot of people are keeping an eye on are Advert Elzali and uh, and Tyler Chatwood, uh, who I would probably argue right now are the two that are truly battling for that fifth spot in the rotation right now. And um, you know, there's been a lot of other stuff to to, to talk about, man, but um, I think a, a good spot to start might be with some of the Javi Baez comments that came out on, you know, really on Monday. Um, for those that don't know, Javi Baez pretty much said that uh, he was kind of lazy for, for really simple words. That's not exactly how he phrased it, nor is that how he meant it. But, you know, he admitted that Joe Madden and, and that, you know, a regime had a lot of optional things that players would were able to do. And so when you have optional, you tend to sometimes take a day off and, you know, take a little more time than you need to to get ready. And Javi admitted that, you know, he'd be going into games, getting ready, getting into the game, not being ready before the game. And sometimes that's an or that's, you know, a lot of times an issue as a player because you might waste an at-bat because you're not ready. So, you know, what were your some of your thoughts with that juice and just kind of, you know, what are your takeaways now maybe with the the Ross regime coming in and, and how you feel about that in comparison to the Madden regime? Yeah, to, just to start out on that, you mentioned Jason Kipnis in the beginning here. Uh, quick uh, relation that I was just thinking while you were talking. If I'm not mistaken, didn't he live down the street from uh, Steve Bartman or in the same town as Steve Bartman? I think, I think so. That that's, there's a little bit of a correlation of that. I think so. I think you might be right. I'll uh, I'll fact check you on that real quick. Yeah, but I don't know. Every time I think of Jason Kipnis, for some reason, I always think of that World Series. And obviously, um, for some reason, I remember relating him to Bartman somehow. But uh, no, good to see him in a Cubs uniform. But talking with uh, about Javi Baez and his comments and the whole state of this Cubs team, I think that with what's coming out from the team and, and a lot of the players as they get to meet the media here in spring training in Mesa, I think it's just kind of interesting to see they're kind of all doubling down into the fact that they have a stronger voice within inside of the locker room. Um, you know, Joe Madden, as we looked throughout the league last year, he was the oldest manager in the majors. And now the Cubs are kind of transitioning into a younger David Ross who, I mean, the guy has never managed a major league game ever. Um, and now the team seems to uh, kind of just take ahead as, and you're going to hear this no matter what. It's, it's always, I'm in the best shape of my life. I, uh, I'm ready to go. We're ready to run through a wall, as Chris Bryant said after you know David Ross's raucous uh, preseason speech that I guess he's already given at um, spring training. But it's just it's interesting to me because the players are doubling down on it. And, I mean, they have no choice. Obviously, what are they going to do, go out there and say, no, we're, we're going to be terrible this year. We expect to take, take a step back. But the Cubs are setting themselves up to – you know, last year you had Joe Madden, who was the player's coach, the guy who 
let you be what you wanted to be, let your personality flow throughout the game. It was up to you to however you prepared. Now they're switching gears and they're saying, David Ross is the guy who's holding people accountable. You know, they're all in on both sides. So at the end of this season, we will know either all of it was crap and these players just aren't good enough or what they're saying about Joe Madden really is true that in 2018 and 2017 and 2019, they weren't just as prepared as, as the years prior. And if they keep doubling down like this, they're backing themselves into a corner where it's going to be on the player from here on out. So if you're a Cubs fan, you're not managing the front office. Or you're not evaluating the front office anymore. You're not evaluating the manager like we did a lot last season. It's on the players this year. And this is – if a player is not producing now, it's by next year. Because I'm going to tell you right now that this front office, with what they didn't do this year, which we still have them expect us to do, was to blow up this roster. Next year, it could be complete just abomination of what happened you know, in terms of this whole roster to be constructed. I think that uh, with what's happened in the front office and them moving over and having this new voice in David Roth, it's uh, it's the player's job to now go out and take this hard-nosed approach and produce now. Yeah, absolutely. I think you said it. you said it best right there, man. And, you know, I think as a fan, I'm almost – I'm almost thankful that now it's just finally kind of on the players like that because I'm, I'm truthfully, I'm, I mean, you were on and up a couple episodes with us, you know, talking about the front office all off season, talking about Joe Madden all last, last season and will he be back and that whole controversy surrounding it. It's just, it's almost nice to just get this breath of fresh air. And yeah, did the, did the front office maybe not do as much as Cubs fans would have liked? Sure. They didn't, but you know, the, the core of the team is still here, and these guys are, like you said, are doubling down, and they're buying into Ross, and this is a guy that had an influence on them, especially the guys that were here in 2016 when you know they won it all and, and the Grandpa Rossi persona was born. And so it's just like, I, I'm just it feels so refreshing just hearing the players come out now and not only be honest about things. You know, I think back over the weekend of the Chris Bryant press conference, obviously Javi's comments, uh, some of John Lester's comments, which we're going to get to here in a little bit too, you know, but also just they're here to play baseball. They're doubling down on it, and it's just it's just a breath of fresh air as a Cubs fan because I'm sick and tired of talking about the front office, and I was sick and tired last <laughs> season talking about Joe Madden. And it's not that I didn't like Joe. I love Joe. I got a Joe Madden jersey in my closet right now. I liked him when he was down in Tampa because that's kind of my second team that I follow. So, you know, it's not that I didn't like the guy, but it's just – when that's the constant drama surrounding the team the whole season, then that becomes the narrative. You get tired of talking about it, you know, and I'm sure you felt the same way. And so I'm just, yeah, man, I'm excited that baseball is finally just back. These guys are in the right mindset. It seems like so far early in the get out the gate here in February. And, you know, if, if this Cubs team performs to their potential, could be in for a very fun season of Cubs baseball. And I think ultimately that's what everybody's looking forward to is, this team improving on that 84 win season that they had last year and hopefully being closer to a 90, who knows, maybe even 95 win team. I'm not going to get my hopes up too much for a 95 win team, but even a 90 win team would be nice because realistically 90 wins probably gets you in the playoffs. Yeah. And I mean, as we, as we kind of talked about this, it's, I, I think that this is going to answer a very important debated question throughout all of baseball. Essentially, the 2019 Cubs are essentially your 2020 Cubs right now. There's not much different to the roster. Maybe the bullpen has, you know, thrown some new arms in there, but the core of the team, as you mentioned, is pretty much the same. I think it's going to answer the age old baseball question as to how important is the manager? You know, I mean, we've debated on if you should pay 5 million, 10 million to a manager because a lot of those guys aren't getting that anymore. I think that when you look at the valuations for both Madden and for Ross, there's a parallel for them for what's going on for next year. I think it's fair to evaluate, you know, these 2019 Cubs to the 2020 and say, does the culture that's changed in the locker room truly affect it and, and pretty much propel, you know, clubs beyond other clubs? Because the Cubs, like you said, have the talent. And if you were to stack them up with the Reds, the Brewers, the Cardinals, you know, it's, it's a pretty even division. So, mm-hmm. 
it's going to answer the question to me of is a manager that important in baseball? And I've heard different types of opinions on this. I've heard that with the Saber metrics, the front office puts in the, the, the lineups now and, you know, everything is stat driven, but it's going to show if how important it is to create a, a culture and to create something new because it seemed like the end of the Joe Madden era pretty much got a little dull towards the end. You know, the the idea of not being on the field early for day games was something that was brought up, and it just seems like if some of these players keep coming out and saying this, there's got to be some truth to it. You know, it's mm-hmm. got to be some truth that maybe they got tired of the laissez-faire attitude. You know, let, let, let things be, you know, bygones be, bygones be bygones out of Joe. And maybe they were just looking for somebody to just kick him in the ass and be like, hey, dude, you know, you're hitting 173 this, this month. Let's, let's get this going, you know? Mm-hmm. But that was not Joe. And from all accounts I've read, David Ross is that guy. So it is going to answer the question, A, are these players good enough? And B, is this manager, is the manager that important to a club like this? Yeah, I agree. And I mean, you know, it's interesting too, because that's not the first time that these type of comments have been said about Joe when he's left an organization. Um, when he left Tampa, I distinctly remember that Evan Longoria had very similar comments and Longoria's were a little more negative maybe um, than Baez's and some of these other guys. And I'm not saying negative, like he trashed Joe Madden, but he was like, look, man, when yeah, you're, I know what you mean. Yeah. When you're, you know, he said, look, man, when you're essentially, when you're a professional ball player, you know, and, and you got a clown circus every spring training, he goes after, you know, a while that gets old and it, you guys aren't excited anymore. And I think, there truly was a, a perfect storm when Madden took over in 15 because, you know, this team was young and this team was fun and they were fiery by themselves. So having that guy who was going to let them be kids and win ball games was perfect at that time. And we saw it work for a three game, a three year stretch. You know, they go to the NLCS in 15, obviously win it in 16, back to the NLCS in 17. And, you know, and then 18, I think, is really when you start to see the demise of Madden because this roster wasn't very different. I think if the roster had some more turnover, you know, maybe that laissez-faire kind of works a little longer. Think back to his time in Tampa. I mean, he was turning over, you know, half a roster almost every offseason just because that's how Tampa does things. But, you know, and then it's not starting to work. And I agree with you. I think it's going to be key. And uh, on a little bit of a fun note, Juice, I want I when. How excited are you to see David Ross erupt at an umpire? Because I am very, very excited based on, you know, John Lester's comments about his fire, and I want to get into that in a second. But how how excited are you to watch him get tossed in hopefully an early April game too? I'm excited to see where he falls on the spectrum because being a lifelong Cub fan, I mean, the most – the most electric, just fiery manager was obviously Lou Lou Pinella throughout my life. But I just don't see David Ross being Lou Pinella. You know, I I don't – the guy was on Dancing for the Stars, for for Christ's sake. I mean, he's the cuddly grandpa that, you know, they were carrying around the field in 2016. With that said, you know, what's coming out of the the locker room is that David Ross is – he's all business, man. And and that's – that's something that I was a little bit concerned about because going into the hire, I considered Dave Ross a good candidate. Don't get me wrong, but I kind of worried that the fact that he had been prepared for this job. And then once he gets it, it's almost like the, the now what the, the now what kind of attitude, you know, now mm-hmm. I have this, this gig and I have all these guys that are in the clubhouse that I played for, you know, what's, what's the move next? You know, are these guys going to, get behind me if I'm a different way than I was as a player. And it seems like the 2016 team, they all looked at Rossi as that, that leader. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you really peel back, we never got like the, the makeup of what kind of leader he is. And I think now that he's the manager, I think it's a good way for these players to kind of come out of their, their comfort zone and say, you know, this is what David Ross was like in 2016. And if he was really that guy who was behind the scenes, who was getting in people's faces more often than not and kind of doing Joe's job for him, then I think the Cubs have set, them, have set themselves up for some success in 2020. With that said, I'm not in the locker room. I don't mm-hmm. know what kind of manager David Ross is. And I think in a lot of ways, David Ross doesn't know what kind of manager he's going to be. 
So with that said, I do, I am excited to see him, you know, in terms of a baseball game and the manager see kind of what, what tendencies that he has because every manager has them. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like him being Lou Pinella and like kicking dirt around and kicking his hat around, I'll, I don't know if I'll just laugh or if I'll, you know, get behind it and be like, all right, I can see how, because we just seen in Chicago that just, that just didn't work, you know? So right. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm excited about it though. I, I am excited to see him manage the team, manage the game. And I think that uh, with this team, with him knowing these guys inside the clubhouse, I think he's really set himself up for success. Yeah, I agree. I think you bring up you brought up a lot of good points, and I, I think he's going to be somewhere in the middle of Joe and Lou. I think he's he's going to have that fire, but he's not going to have that. I almost want to use the word crazy, where you know he's just going to mm-hmm. erupt all the time. It's like you know, I think he because he is a player, or excuse me, was a player, and very recently was a player. You know, he still understands kind of when to pick his spots, right, and when to be fiery with certain right. guys. And like you said, I think a lot of those relationships he had with these guys as a player, it's going to translate to success with him because he knows them. You know, he's he knows what makes them tick. He knows what to say to them. He knows what gets them going. And yeah, to your point, you know, I I one of my favorite books to this day that I've ever read was David Ross's book Teammate that came out very very soon after the Cubs won the World Series. And you know, he told a couple stories and or there was, you know, other stories that were accounted for, like from guys like Rizzo and guys like, you know, Baez, who noted that David Ross was that guy that held guys accountable. And like you said, kind of was in a lot of ways doing Joe's job. And you look at the best season this team's ever put together as a team from start to end. It was that 16 year. You know, so it's it's almost seems like I don't want to say David Ross is the only reason. I mean, a lot of things went right for the Cubs in 2016. You know, but I think he's an element behind the scenes that a lot of people don't take into account because, you know, like you mentioned about building culture, building culture is just as important in any locker room, clubhouse, company, whatever it is, whatever group of people you have together. Culture is just as important as talent. In some cases, it's almost more important, especially when you know you have talent like the Cubs do. So, you know, I think I think that's going to be a, agree. I think that's going to be a big key for him, and I think that's going to be the fun of watching him in like April and May is as he figures out kind of what his tendencies are going to be, and then you know by hopefully like June and July he's really like okay, I found who I am as a manager. I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to be me, and we're going to go win ball games. And that's you know obviously as as a Cubs fan, that's all you can truly ask for from him. And I kind of want to piggyback on that too, because obviously mentioned the the Lester comments. Um, so for anybody that didn't see the video, uh, go check it out. It's on the Marquee Sports Network Twitter. Um, even though you might not have Marquee Sports Network yet, just like myself, I have Xfinity, <laughs> so I am patiently waiting for them to get Marquee Sports Network. But uh, the app I know is active, and anybody can use it. Um, and there's a ton of great content there as well as their Twitter page is pretty active as well. Uh, it's a good follow. I, I, I say, give it a follow. You're eventually going to have the coverage anyway, so you might as well give it a follow now, but it was John Lester and I believe it was Ryan Dempster, um, were playing catch just, you know, classic, you know, long toss, uh, that pitchers do as they warm up. And Dempster was asking, you know, Lester a lot of questions about, especially about Ross, because if we're being completely honest, the guy that probably knows Ross the best on this roster is John Lester. And he was just asking him about, you know, what type of manager do you think David Ross is going to be and what can fans expect to see from him that maybe they weren't used to seeing from him as a player. And John was like, you know, he, you're going to see that fire that he brings to to the game every day. He said, you know, when he was here with me and in, in, in 16, you know, he was playing only every fifth day. So when I would, you know, have a bad game and, you know, was done by the fifth inning, he was pissed because he only got one at bat because he usually came out when I did, <laughs> you know, and he's like, but that fire, you know, that he, that Lester said drove him to be better as a pitcher. And you look at the year Lester had in 16 and he was the, I believe he was the runner up, right? Or was Hendricks the runner up? I believe he was the, I to fact check that. Either way, you know, two of the three, Either two way. of the three finalists were Cubs, and Lester was one of them. So, you know, I mean, it, it just goes to show that you know that Ross knows how to push guys, 
without being a total ass about it. And that's key. That's key as a manager, right? That's key as a boss. I think I love comparing sports to real life because people then are, you get the, the, I call them the old man that yells at a cloud who are like, well, it's sports and it's just a <laughs> business. And it's like, well, yeah, it is a business, but there's so many life lessons you learn in sports that you can carry over in your everyday life. And I think that's one of them. If you're going to manage people in any facet in life, you need to know how to communicate to them effectively to fire them up when you need to, calm them down when you need to, and then be even keel and be business with them when you need to. And I think Ross, you know, tying that all back together has that ability because of his relationship with these guys. So I am, uh, I'm certainly interested to see that, but um, juice question for you. And it kind of piggybacks again with John Lester real quick. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been very vocal in this, in this camp so far. And something that I don't think we're historically used to seeing from John Lester, at least not in his time as a cub. Do you think Ross being around? Yeah. I don't know if they've had any direct conversation about this necessarily. Obviously, like you said, we're not in that locker room, but you know, John Lester observed other players, you know, um, pitching sessions, especially younger guys. And Ross admitted that he's never done that in his career. Do you think the presence of having a guy like Ross, who John Lester obviously respects and, and values as a friend, is bringing out the best in John Lester as a leader? I think that him having the, the comfort, obviously him being with Rossi most of his career, obviously him being a personal catcher for him, is something that I think it's kind of gotten maybe John out of his his. Uh, well, what's the word for it? Like, it, it's got him out of his comfort zone. You know, it, that's not who John Lester is. He's not a – yeah, he's not really a guy who's going to uh, lead as much by getting in people's faces as much as he's leading by example. You know, and I think the fact that his buddy and, and they're kind of kind of doubling down on, you know, this Cubs family, I think that that's kind of helped John be in a supportive role. And like I said earlier – I think that John kind of realizes as his career starts to get towards the back end of it, that if he wants to continue in baseball in terms of maybe being a pitching coach or manager down, down the line in his career, mm -hmm. you know, him getting close to Ross and him mentoring some of these young guys, I think is something that he's going to have to learn how to do. So maybe the best way, and I know that everybody's talked about, are we going to get John Lester regression again like we did last year but maybe the most maybe the most beneficial and, and the biggest attribute that he can bring this team is being more vocal like this and being a mentor and really pushing these guys and teaching you know some of these guys how to pitch more often than he did in the years prior you know i i just I think he's a competitor. I think that he's somebody who has seen as they double down with Ross and they double down with this whole new culture. Maybe, maybe Lester is just buying into it more because he's bought into David Ross's whole life and Ross is bought into him. So it's a matter of him repaying him and making sure that there aren't any untied knots around the, around the team as well. I think that's, I think when you look at that as a whole, it's, it's just, it's a matter of, of where Lester is in his career and having his personal catcher as the manager now, this is his moment to, hey, this is maybe one of the last chances I get to go for it. Let's make this thing work. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I agree. I think there's going to be a lot of good things that come out of this season from Ross. You know, maybe just tapping into some of these other guys on the team. And, you know, maybe the fans get to see a side of the, some of these guys that they haven't seen before, too. Um, not only because, you know, Ross is around, but also because, you know, Marquee Sports Network, I feel like, just has cameras everywhere right now. So you're getting to see. You yeah, know, seeing... and, and, and I mean, oh, sorry. No, you're Go good. Ahead. I was just going to say, like, seeing John Lester have this conversation with Ryan Dempster is, is not something historically, you know, coverage-wise necessarily that the fan would get to see. Yeah, and I think that, like, when you look at this year compared to last, I mean, let's start, like, all the way back at the beginning of the 2019 offseason when there were rumors left and right that Bryce Harper was, you know, maybe going to be here and they were going to spend, you know, that, that $300, $400 million contract on another player to bring into this core. You know, there was, is Joe Madden coming back? There were a lot of things on that never that didn't occur on the field that were huge distractions. So I think that not only the Marquee Sports Network being there and them having cameras everywhere will be a reason you see a lot of these players' personalities, 
but maybe the fact that there's some stability now. You know, there's some idea behind that. This is where we're going. We are with David Ross now. This is the direction that we are trending towards, opposed to, am I going to have to deal with Joe Madden again? You know, who's going to be here next year? The whole is who's being traded from the core? You know, now that it's gotten to the to spring training and there is no KB deal to, you know, any other team yet, there's, you know, no Javi Baez trade. They know David Ross is their manager. There's some stability to that. And there is some stability behind the whole Cubs organization as well as of now too. You know, I like to think of it this way. And you say you like to relate it to your business. Imagine working underneath your manager and not knowing if your manager is going to be there. You know, am I doing things the way I'm supposed to be doing? Am I, am I trending towards, you know, the Cub way as, as they like to, you know, talk about it throughout the organization? Mm-hmm. Well, it's hard to know the Cub way when you don't know which way they're going to take it in terms of the front office. You know, it's hard throughout that whole going, which way is this thing going to decide who's going to be the manager next year? I think a lot of what happened in the Cubs' minds was there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of uncertainty throughout the organization. Marquee, there was a lot of distractions that did not happen on the baseball field that were happening outside of them that I think murked a lot of these these things inside of these players' heads within the roster, outside of the roster, up in the organization. And I think as you look at 2020, stability is something that I think the Cubs can just lean on. And I, I think that it's a huge positive for them. And I think them knowing that David Ross is their guy for the unseeable future is something that these players, A, they can get excited about being a former teammate, and B, they can know they can work towards this because this is the guy they're going to have to make it work with. Yeah, absolutely. I think you you absolutely hit it on the head there too. Um, so I, I'm not going to add any further there. Um, all right, the last thing I think we want to talk about before we get out of here because we are starting to approach that 30-minute mark and we still got some more great content on the other side of, of Juice and I's discussion is the Chris Bryant um, talk today. Uh, so this is brand new. Obviously, he had the 35-minute presser over the weekend, uh, mentioned about all the noise in the offseason, how you know he never was offered an extension, and he was never you know saying that he wanted out and he wants to be here. And I think he really reaffirmed a lot of Cubs fans that he truly was being genuine and wanted to be here. Well, today he came out when was asked at a press con, you know, at just his normal press conference, and uh, you know he was asked, "Do you do you think you'll be a Cub on opening day?" He said. Yes, I do. And this all comes after he had a sit down with uh, Theo Epstein, mind you. Uh, they said, you know, do you believe you'll be a Cub on opening day? He says, yes, I do. And they said, uh, you know, they asked him, do you think he'll be, you'll be with the tra- team, you know, through the trade deadline? He said, yep. And just almost immediately, he said, I'm, Chica- I'm a Chicago Cub. So it seems like in the last, you know, maybe finally just him getting in, in front of the front office and being able to have a legitimate conversation with these guys seems like he's kind of reaffirming that, no, I want to be a part of this solution and I want to be a part of the Cubs long-term, you know, let's get something done. Let's not, you know, beat around the bush here and and do what we need to do to get things done. So I think just, you know, before we get out of here, I really want to get your thoughts on what he had to say today. And if you watch the clip, I, I highly recommend anybody listening do. I mean, it's quick answers. There is no like hesitation. He's not like, yeah, you know, I think I'll be here. It's like, you know, do you believe you're here? Yes, I do. Do you think you're going to be here through the deadline? Yep, I'm a Chicago Cub, like without any hesitation at all. Yeah, this is the worst game of shoots and ladders I think I've ever witnessed in my life. Um, <laughs> it, it's like right when I think that he's going to be here, I hit the idea in my head that, well, he has the worst agent to deal with in sports. You know, it's mm-hmm. – I. I understand that a lot of people could be excited about, you know, him coming out and saying, I think I'm going to be here. I'm a Chicago Cub, but I think it's a matter of what, what is he supposed to say? You know, if he says there that me and Theo had a talk and, you know, I'm, I'm out. I, I think that it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't leave Theo any negotiation room with any other teams. It, I, I think this is all just, it's just gamesmanship at this point. I do think that Chris Bryan is professional and he's going to go and, and have a good year and he's going to come, um, you know, prepared to play and he's going to have a good year. And I think that uh, he wants to be a Chicago Cub. But I, I also think that Chris Bryan is the type of guy that realizes that 
at the end of his contract, he's going to be 31 years old. And this may be the only time that he can get paid. So he's going to take the top, the top dollar. That's just, he has the agent that gets him the top dollar. I think that he's going to take the top dollar, mm-hmm. regardless if it's the Cubs, regardless if it's the, and I think that a lot of what was said in that press conference back and forth, I believe it was with Jesse Rogers was a matter of, you know, did he give you any direction? Well, yeah, he did. I'm sure that Theo said, Hey, over the off season, I mentioned your name in trades. I didn't see anything that came up that was worth pulling the trigger because I'm not giving up to him and probably told him straight to his face. You're a great ball player. And if this is the case that I can't negotiate with the dollar amount that I have, you know, or I, I couldn't get you to agree to a contract, I have no choice. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. either he walks and you get nothing in two years or you look proactively now. And I think that Theo was just honest about it. He just said, hey, I, I'm in a budget situation with Ricketts. I understand that the only way that I can shed payroll and not, you know, screw my roster for the next you know, three, four years while I'm here is trading my best player and maybe reloading the farm system that way you know, my second half of, of my, my contending window maybe gets extended later. Maybe it's not now. Maybe I take a step back now. That way I can, for the foreseeable future, you know, extend Cubs baseball and, and, and extend the competitive window into, you know, 2024, 2025. Yeah. I, I hope that Chris Bryant's back, but, and I know those were quick answers, but they were very easy questions to answer if you were Chris Bryant. I mean, yes, I think I'm going to be here. Yes, I think I'm here through the trade deadline. Well, he hopes he's here through the trade deadline, but let's say the Cubs are a 500 team or a sub-500 team by the trade deadline. I just don't see a scenario where he doesn't get traded at that moment because if you can't sign him, you're not going to get anything after a year, and you're going to let him walk for nothing. That can't happen. That's just bad front office, bad GMing bad ownership it's bad all around if he walks and you get nothing i love chris bright he's a great player but if he's not going to sign for the dollar amount that they seem to deem him as as the maybe a 30 mil a year player or you know 31 32 and he wants that 40 to 45 i mean that's just not feasible for that team because i don't think he's going to meet that contract when he's 36 37 38 so you don't want to kick the can down the road for later, but with that said, the question is, is he, is he a good enough player from 31 to 35 to, to offset you know, the $350 million contract or the $400 million contract that he probably wants? I don't know, because he can't stay healthy. And with that said, as he keeps getting older, I don't know if he's a player that ages well. You know, it, It's mm-hmm. tough to really look at these guys and say, this is – this is what they're going to be when they're 35. You know, I look at Javi Baez, plays with a ton of fire. I would bet that Javi Baez is a player who ages well throughout his career based on that he does a lot of things well. Well, Chris Bryant hits the ball in the air. He can run the bases, and he's an okay fielder, and he can play a bunch of positions. But his job is a power hitter. And if he can't stay healthy and his wrist and his legs are going to start to give, that power numbers are going to go down. And I just don't under I, I don't know if he's worth that when he's 36, 37. And I don't blame Theo for setting a number and saying, if you don't meet it, I'm just going to get younger. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think that's, that's certainly going to be a narrative that Cubs fans keep an eye on is where is this team when that trade deadline starts to creep up at the end of July? Because like you said, this team is below 500 and not doing well, you know, and you have that seller's market trade proposal for Chris Bryant that's over the moon. You know, like you said, it's it's not a good move by the GM to not improve your ball club and get younger for the future. So, certainly something interesting we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on going forward. But um, always fun hearing you know what other people have to say about it. But well, man, yeah, one question for you, Ronnie. Yeah. one more last question for you. Sure. So we didn't mention the Marquee Network very often, and here we did. But there is no deal with Comcast right now. Mm-hmm. I know this is off the spot, but what what do you think the odds are that Comcast Sportsnet actually signs a deal prior to opening day with the Cubs to broadcast the games. Um, I think the odds. I th- I mean, <sighs> it's a loaded question. So if you it is, are, 
if you are the Chicago Cubs, you want to get that done. Xfinity is one of the largest cable providers, if not the largest, out there right now. You you know you got a deal done with Hulu. Great. You know I'm sure they're going to get other deals done with some of these other streaming services that have have gained a lot of popularity in Steam. Great. But now you need to appease to as of now is still the major market, and that is. You know, Dish doesn't have it, but Dish doesn't have a lot of things. And, you know, anybody that's a Blackhawks and Bulls, you know, Sox fan can attest to that if they don't get to watch the games on NBC Sports Network. But, you know, Xfinity is a huge, huge piece of the market still. And, you know, you, you got to get a deal done. If you don't get a deal done, they know the amount of dollars that are going to be lost if there's not a deal done. And this team isn't consistently on TV for majority of the masses to watch you know I, I think right now most people are going to be pretty pissed off if you know xfinity doesn't have a deal done i know i will be uh i'm not going to be able to watch anything when the the network officially launches here in the next couple days so um and it's it's frustrating but i think i think both sides understand i think xfinity understands too i mean I, they're too big i think to you know, Marquis not going to make or break them, but I think they still understand the value that Marquis going to bring too. If they're, especially if they're one of the first that's able to get it, you know, more people might be willing to to come back and and go the traditional cable route versus you know some of these streaming services and whatnot. So I, I think both sides realize it needs to get done. I think the Cubs especially realize it needs to get done. So I think the chances are pretty good, but. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and be like 100% there's no doubt it'll get done because the fact that it's not already done is already enough of kind of a a disappointment and a disgrace in my opinion. But, um, you know, what are your thoughts? Do you have the similar thoughts or do you think this is just going to implode on the Cubs? You you know, (laughs) there was a a stretch here throughout a month, month and a half where I really, really thought this was going to work out. And as this inches closer and closer to opening day, my fear is that Comcast just plays it out and sees if, you know, it's a matter of how, how angry do my customers really look? Because at the end of the day, they hold all the tickets on if they want to carry it. Mm-hmm. And the Cubs are asking them to carry another channel that is going to up sports packages for, you know, the most, it'll be six bucks more. So my thing is, is I wonder if Comcast just, plays it out and sees if I get enough complaints, I can sign the deal at any moment. I'm sure there's negotiations. I'm sure there's a deal set in place that the Cubs are probably holding firm at right now. But my fear is, is that it just gets to the end of it. And the Cubs just go, or the Comcast just goes, I don't know you anything. I am in bed with NBC sports. So why should I do a favor for you? You know, if, if, if anybody wants to watch baseball, we have the White Sox on NBC Sports. And I know that they're not White Sox fans, but I think I wonder if Comcast just plays it out and says, I wonder if I can get the Cubs to cave, you know, a little bit more on the negotiations or better off yet, just see if this is going to be something that is huge and alarming and, and if there's a huge need for it or if I'm losing business up and right, then at mo- that moment I can reevaluate and say, Hey, let's let's make a deal with the Cubs now. That way, we can get games on tomorrow. You know that that mm-hmm. way, I'm not losing business. But it's interesting. I think I think Comcast, out of all of them, is the most interesting negotiation they have because, as you said, it has a major part of the Chicago market. And as this moves forward, it's a matter of are my customers going to be that upset, and how many people want it? Because I think that the one thing that the Cubs didn't do very well to begin this whole thing is to identify how many, how many people are really going to want it throughout each provider. You know, I think that it's really up in the air to how upset people will be if they can't get Cubs games. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, I know there's a lot of diehards out there, but there's a lot of people who are able to bypass, you know, watch on Reddit streams and watch in different ways. So I wonder if the Cubs will, you know, be the ones holding, you, you know, pretty much looking, and I hate to, you know, pardon my French, but, you know, swinging with the dick in the wind. Or, you know, they're going to be the ones that Comcast is coming to and saying, hey, we need this now. We're losing customers here and there. It's, it's an interesting negotiation. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. I completely agree with you, man. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a good first part of the episode. Guess what? There's still more. Um, myself and our boy Schwartzy uh, were able to early this afternoon of the evening that we're recording. We got to sit down with Cubs number six prospect Cole Roeder, uh, a recurring guest uh, now on the show. This is the second time appearing on the Cubs on Tap slash Northside Nine franchise. And, uh, you know, this time it was a little less getting to know Cole and a little more of, uh, you know, asking him, you know, just kind of about his offseason and how he's trained and, and different things like that. So it's a really good conversation. You know, please stick around and listen to it. You'll really enjoy it. It's about 25 minutes with Cole. Um, but Juice, before I let you go, uh, any final thoughts before uh, we cut over to Cole? Go Cubs, go. That's all I got to say. Cole, thanks for coming on to the pod. Uh, as Juice said, go Cubs go, and uh, without further ado, we'll cut it right over to Cole, and we'll be back with you very briefly once it's all said and done. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome back, this is his second appearance on the Northside 9 slash Cubs on Tap set of podcasts, introducing the number six Cubs prospect, Outfielder Cole Roeder. Cole, how are you doing today, bud? Good. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good, man. We're doing great. Thanks again for coming back on. Uh, you are now the only the second guest we've had to make a second appearance on the show, so it's greatly, greatly appreciated. Perfect. All right, man. We'll get into it. I mean, the last time we uh, we spoke to you, uh, the you know we wanted to get to know who you were, and I think a lot of fans got to know who you were, and and that was you know great insight. You know, for for you personally, I know for us, we we enjoyed having you on and, and getting to know more about you. I think now, I think you know, I think we could take that next step and talk just some of it about, about you know your off season and kind of what you're looking forward to in 2020. So, I mean, I guess that is a good start. Is you know, what are you most look forward m- most looking forward to? For you know, spring training coming up. You mentioned to me um, on the side that you report uh, on the twenty first, which is right around the corner. Yeah, um, I'm really excited to get back in the swing of things. I feel like I haven't played real baseball in forever. It's just been working out on my own, just hitting, throwing. But I'm definitely excited to get back to work and see you know all the guys I made relationships with you know past the past year. So I'm I'm really excited to see everyone and get back to work. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, you mentioned, you know, the throwing and, and, and the hitting on your own. What, how often do you typically, you know, hit and throw and do you work back into it? Obviously, I would imagine after the season, you take a little bit of a break, maybe, you know, only a couple times a week you're doing stuff and then it starts to ramp up. Is that kind of how it goes? Or are you just like, a, I'm diving right back into this as, as soon as, you know, I have the opportunity to do so? Uh, I, I really, I wish I could dive back into it, but I was, after playing a full season, you definitely need some downtime. So I took a couple of weeks off and, you know, revisited my family, saw my friends, you know, did all the stuff that, you know, I can only do in the off season. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so I worked back into it, you know, once, twice a week. And then, you know, I wasn't working out on weekends. I was told by one of my coaches, like, you know what, you're, you're still young, man. Like you want to play this game as long as you can, but you got to love playing it. So work throughout the week, take the weekends off, spend time with the family, find that downtime, get away from everything. So, um, that's what I did. You know, I, I just did stuff during the week and then slowly ramped up to before I came here, it was every day. I was working my butt off every day, just really trying to get ready. That's awesome. Schwartz, you got a question? Um, I, I do. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate it. Um, and thanks again, Cole, for being on with us. This kind of piggybacks off Ron's question from before. Um, but are there any players, coaches, ambassadors, et cetera, that you're most excited about getting to pick their brain this spring training? Uh, if I have a chance, I'd love to pick uh, Mike Napoli's brain. He's, you know, he's mm-hmm. one of the, a big name. So I've always wanted to pick his brain. You can always find so many, like there's the guys who play in this game a long time who are veterans of the sport. They know so much that, you know, the, just the common player doesn't get. So if you can pick their brain, there's always something new and amazing. You could find out for yourself that hopefully you can use a tool in your arsenal to lay it down the line. Yeah, absolutely. And and Cole, that's that's kind of another good point you brought up too. It feels like this this Cubs organization now has so many of those former big leaguers in it. I mean, 
you know, I, I would imagine, you know, just as a fan of the sport that that has to go a long way. But like for you, what does that mean uh, for your development? I mean, you, you just mentioned Napoli and how excited you are to hopefully pick his brain. You know, do you think that just makes it even easier for you to absorb more information when, you know, half of the coaching staff you look around and they're notable names that you've seen play uh, as you were growing up? I think it really helps my development, you know, just surrounding yourself with people that understand and they're at such, they've always competed at that highest level. So just being able to talk to them and you might hear stuff that you've never heard before and stuff that you didn't even think about. So being able to talk to them and just constantly having them around it, it I'm, I'm very excited. We got a lot of new hires, especially this year. So being able to pick all those people, like all the new people's brains and it's, it's truly going to be helpful for everyone, but I'm, I'm very excited. Heck yeah, I mean, that's that's got to be an, an incredible thing. Um, you know, just to, like you said, just to look around and, and see all those faces. So, no, that's that's super cool. Um, well, Cole, um, we talked about the working out and how you ramped up. Um, in the last interview we were on with Ron, you had mentioned kind of getting into the whole world of working out from coming from from really like a start zero point. Which, which programs did you find to be the most – um, successful for you personally in this off season? Um, well, I actually, so for, <laughs> I think I mentioned on the last time I'd never lifted before. So I, I actually got a trainer for this off season. Um, mm-hmm. His name is Mike Uden. He's one, he's one of the like greatest dudes and trainers I've ever met. Um, you know, he, I went in there and he really took me, you know, on, under his wing and really helped me out this season. Um, we're working out four days a week just with him. And I was working out with some other uh, minor league guys and some big league guys and, you know, just working out, teaching me a good regimen, a good routine, stuff I need to do, stuff I, you know, the dudes don't. So um, getting with him, I definitely learned so much, so much that I honestly never would have thought about. Um, and I'm, I, that literally changed my whole year. I, if I didn't go to him, I mean, I'd probably be in the same spot I was last year, not completely ready. So I think going into this year, having worked with him all year, I think, you know, I think I'm definitely ready. That's awesome. So you, are you officially team squats and team deadlifts now? Absolutely. I am all team legs. (laughs) That's what I like to hear. That's awesome. And and Cole, actually, good piggyback question off of that, um, that Schwartz he had there. You know, what are, I mean, especially as a baseball player, I feel like, you know, not everybody that's a fan of the sport truly understands what, what, especially up and coming players like yourself need uh, in terms of working out, like what specific kind of exercises really benefit your game. So what are probably the, you know, the, the top, you know, workouts you do or like what areas do you focus on the most in terms of strength within your body to get ready for, you know, this coming season? Um, you know, it's tough because, you know, baseball swing is just, it's so different than anything, you know, and golfers will say the same thing. You need to have a strong connection to the ground. So you, everything comes from the bottom up. So you have to have strong legs. You have to have, you know, the stability in your ankles and your toes, and you have to just really be one with the ground. So I think one of the, one of the biggest things you have to have as a baseball player, as an athlete, is definitely a strong lower half. So that's squats, deadlifts, front squats, whatever it may be. Really go, you know, heavy into those because that is where all your power comes from. Um, up next, I mean, you have to have a strong core. With swinging every day, your your muscles get broken down in the back, so you definitely have to have a strong core to be able to handle all that swinging and all that just tearing of the muscles. And then after that, it really like wrists is a huge one. Wrists and forearms, massive. At the end of the year, you feel if you don't work out your forearms and all that stuff, <laughs> it's going to be hard to pick up a baseball bat, let alone swing it at your best at your best swing. You know what I mean? So I think those were definitely. My biggest ones, other than like, you know, the typical bicep, tricep, shoulders, and all that stuff, mm-hmm. forearms, wrists, and legs, and core, huge for baseball. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like, you know, maybe of all of those, I think the one that people, I want to say maybe take for granted is truly the core. I mean, you think about, you know, really all sports. I mean, I, I, I was fortunate enough to play college football and, you know, you can be, you know, the, the biggest, strongest meathead in, in the weight room when it comes to squat and bench and deadlift and all that. But, like, if you don't have a good core, you're not a good athlete just because, you know, essentially the, again, the the midpoint of your balance, of your, you know, ability to move and, and ability to run or, you know, in, in your case, ability to swing, 
you know, it all comes from that core. And I, I can only imagine the, the level of core workouts that you guys have to do. Like you said to, you know, not only just preserve, you know, the front half of your body, but your back, especially when you're taking hacks all season long. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's definitely a, it's something that people don't really realize, but when you're in the moment, when you're in the action, <laughs> you will be sorry if you're not working out at the end of the year. You're like, oh man, I, that's the one on the top of the list because I, you know, my back was getting tight. My body's mm-hmm. starting to hurt, trying to break down. And I'm really glad I focused on the core at the end of the year because I think that definitely, you know, helped me at the last 30, 40 games. It definitely put me in a good spot. Mm-hmm. And then um, one more for you here, Cole. I don't want to spend the whole time on this workout show. Um, how much is flexibility a part of it? Because I think one thing that some more casual fans might not realize is that flexibility is so paramount that the raw power of a swing is important to be explosive, but you got to be flexible to decelerate back through that, and not just shred through your obliques. How much, how much flexibility are you doing? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the you know, oddballs because I am not flexible. I, when I first came to pro ball, I'd be lucky if I could touch the tops of my shoes. Um, so flexibility is a huge factor to me. Uh, I have to do a lot of it because, you know, I have tight hamstrings. I have tight hips, you know, the list goes on. So flexibility is a big part of my, when I wake up, I'm stretching, I'm doing all that stuff because flexibility is a huge key. If you have, if you have tight hamstrings, you know, you could risk tearing your hamstring and be done of the year. You got tight obliques, you swing too hard, you tear your oblique, you're done for the year. So um, flexibility is huge for me, probably more than anything else. Because there's so many things that you you know you need to be flexible to keep a strong front side in your swing. You need a good you know all that flexibility to throw and not be hurt and do all the you know the necessities to maintain through a full year. So I think flexibility is a huge huge subject. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, and, and kind of building upon that too, right? I mean, you, you talked about how much you worked this off season. You hired a trainer, which you know you said for you was new and and things like that. So, what do you want to improve on most this season in your game? I mean, obviously, I think from a you know a muscular standpoint, you know you you look physically stronger. There was a video uh, of you taking some some swings um, probably about a month ago outside on a, on a live, you know, a live BP session. And, you know, people are like, oh, they're like, Cole, Cole looks like he put on some muscle. And I was like, yeah, Cole, Cole does look like he put on some muscle. So, you know, kind of, you know, what are you hoping to, to translate that, that off-season conditioning for you into improving this season? Um, I think with all the, you know, the, the added weight and the added flexibility and all that stuff, I think I'm going to, you know, see my body perform at a higher level this year. I don't think I'm going to have the, the issues I did and the fatigue I had. I am thinking I'm going to be able to compete at my highest level, you know, throughout the year and maintain instead of fatiguing and getting tired. Um, this year, you know, I want to be consistent. I, you know, there's some days where you go out there, you're never going to have your A swing, but you have to be able to do the best with your B swing, your C swing. You have to compete with every swing you have. So, um, this year I want to be more consistent and that comes from, you know, working my butt off in the off season and being able to maintain throughout the season. So I think with all the added weight, and all the added work, I think this year my body's going to handle it better than it did last year. That's awesome. Now are you still working on that cutter as well? That legendary pony league cutter? <laughs> Not anymore. You know, I, was, I don't, I don't have the, I don't have the rocket for that one. I'll leave that one to my roommates. <laughs> yeah, 100%, man. And, and you know, and kind of kind of building upon that too. You mentioned, you know, the length of of the season and in being able to to do more with your A, you know, not only your A swing but your B and your C swings. You know, do you think now that you have that full year of pro ball under your belt, obviously last season with South Bend winning the championship, you know, do you think that's going to bode better, especially now that you have that physical strength to go along with it that, you know, that stamina is going to really hold up longer? into the season rather than, you know, say around mid-August, you start to gas out a little bit? Absolutely. I think me playing the full year from start to finish, I truly think it helped me a lot. You know, I have more knowledge than guys that played half of the season, a quarter of the season, or they came in late. You know, I, I have, you know, the ability to play all year, which I showed last year. So I, I, a lot, I learned so much. Like this, this past year has been an experience in itself, but I think I learned a lot, you know, about my routine, the do's and don'ts when to exert my energy, when to not, when to, you know, one nights I need to get more rest, one nights I can, you know, hang out with my buddies and play some video games or whatever. But I think 
I just gained a lot of knowledge that I wouldn't have gained unless I played the full year. So I think that's going to help me this year because I'll, I'll have you know a better idea of what I'm going to get myself into. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's and that's huge too, right? I mean, any any time you go into something unexpected, you you always feel underprepared, right? I mean, you go into even as something as you know pedestrian, you know, for like myself and Schwartzy, when we come into our work day, you know. If you know what you got to do for the day and get things done, you're more productive. Your time management's better. You know, you're using that time properly. And I know that's something you and I discussed the first time around when we talked to you. You know, now you know going in, you're like, all right, you know, I'm not just coming into this blind. I know exactly what I need to do at what time of the day. Yeah, and I, I'm telling you, man, I think that's you know just in life in general, right? It's it's so good to be prepared and be able to to build on, you know, I know what to expect. Now I'm going to go ahead and put my best foot forward. And I'm telling you, man, if, if that B and swing, C swing of yours looks anything close to your A swing, it's going to be an incredible year for you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, Cole, speaking speaking of all the preparation work we've gone over here, in your mind's eye as you prepare for this season, what are some of your, your personal goals on the field? Um, same as it was last year, you know, except this one's, you know, be a little, like, more consistent at the plate, you know, just have a little bit more plate discipline. You know, I, I feel like I over-prepared this year, which, honestly, you can never be over-prepared. But, you know, I feel like I did literally everything, I you know, I could to get ready. But um, consistency would definitely be one of them. And, you know, the reason I work so hard is because, you know, you get late in the season, you know, you get tired, you're, you know, mentally you break down. Um, so there's times where, you know, you don't want to give away a pitch, you know, but you just give away just that, that one pitch that you could have got a hit off of that could have raised your average, could have raised your stats, whatever. Um, this year would definitely be just to absolutely 100% do not take anything off, any pitch, no, no second in the game, you know, whatever the case is, just to make sure I'm ready to go every pitch, every second of every game. Yeah. No, and I, I mean, that's a big thing, right? I think we've we've touched so much on preparation in this episode, and we really do appreciate, you know, your insight on, on what you worked on and, and things like that. So we, we got to ask naturally, just like last time, a couple of fun questions, right? I mean, it's, it's always fun to talk, you know, just kind of general baseball and whatnot. So, you know, obviously spring training is just like, you know, I think back to my days with two-a-days when I played football, right? It's when everybody's together, you haven't seen everybody in a while, you know, it's exciting to, to get to talk to guys, catch up on how they've been in the off season. What from a, I'm, I'm going to use the word fun, you know, what from a fun standpoint are you looking forward to most with spring training? You know, is it just being with the guys? Is, you know, that camaraderie? Do you guys do stuff, you know, maybe in the locker room, like play video games or play games that you're looking forward to most? What, what of that kind of, you know, that's something that's just truly fun about being around a team and being around, you know, a sport like that are you most looking forward to? Um, you know, it's funny when you hang around people that you really, you know, you're really cool with, you have a good time with, you know, good buddies. It's, you know, it's not the time that's with them. It's like the little moments that you guys have, you know, the moments when, you know, one of your buddies trips and falls and does something silly and, you know, all your, everyone's just laughing. Um, I think it's those times, you know, playing video games and, you know, you're playing Call of Duty and you're just smacking your roommate in Call of Duty and, you know, he's freaking out. You're laughing. I think it's those moments where just hanging out with your good buddies and, just forming those little moments that just make you laugh. And, you know, you remember why you play this game. You play to have fun. You're playing a children's game, for God's sake. You got you to gotta have a little fun with it. So I think it's those moments I'm most excited for. Oh, that sounds awesome. Now, speaking of Call of Duty, I know that's, that's one of your go-to games. Did you see that there's going to be a Battle Royale mode come out, I think, in March? I, I did see that, and I am very excited. I haven't been able to play, actually, very much because I have a house in California. You know, we live way back in the mountains so the, the internet connections you know a little little poor i'm gonna be honest i'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna say it's a little poor in case my in case my parents watch this it's a little poor i'm not gonna bag on it too hard <laughs> um but but now that i'm back oh my god i got i got back in yesterday um and I'm, i pa- unpacked my room and by unpacked my room i mean i set my computer up i have not even unpacked my suitcase yet all i've been doing is playing call of duty so oh, good, uh man. i'm i'm, I'm I'm really excited to get back into it. I got everything set up. I sent my mom pictures. I was like, yes, you know, look, I'm so excited. I'm I got internet again. Ha, ha, ha. You know, because she's all mad because she got horrible internet connection. But, you know, I'm, just, I'm really excited to just get away from the world a little bit and just have some fun, compete on some Call of Duty. That's awesome. Well, you, you let me know if you ever want to squat up. I am terrible at first-person shooters, but I am funny <laughs> on a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I'll, I'll out win. the spots. 
Nice. <laughs> Sounds good. It's all right. We one of uh, one of my roommates, Ryan Jensen. Same thing. Not great. Great. You know, he's a great objective guy. If you if you're playing domination, he's always going for the B flag. So you know, that's one thing we love about him. So you know, we always need someone. Oh, I'm there. You need you need I'm those there team all day. players, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's awesome and so i get that's actually a good question you mentioned you know obviously having a roommate did you and ryan get to play together at all last year uh no we didn't he was actually in eugene so okay. how it works is kind of like with our with our first year pitchers they kind of take it slow give them you know a pitch limit and all that stuff they kind of just trying to get them you know get back into things and slowly ramp them up so he was in eugene last year with a. One of my other roommates, Cole Franklin. Oh, I've heard Cole is an absolute beauty of a human being. Is is that as true as his social media <laughs> leads on? Yes, ev- everyone in this house is exactly the same. I kid you not. That's you literally, awesome. you walk. We might be different shapes, sizes, whatever. We are the same person. All just really funny, like super laid back, just always bagging on it, like. You guys see it on social media, yeah. But that is nothing compared to what's in the apartment. That's like amazing. you walk around, you just we're just going at it all the time. Like oh, like we play Super Smash Bros. on the on the Switch, and I don't know how any of our neighbors haven't like called to complain because we are <laughs> screaming at each other like trash talking. It's one of the funniest things you've ever witnessed. Oh, that's amazing. That it literally makes me think back to like two a days when we would used to I'm I might be I'm dating myself at least a little bit, but I was I was playing in college when NCAA football were still releasing new games, so we would always we'd always get on the <laughs> Xbox and play uh, you know, the newest NCAA and exactly the same thing, yelling and screaming at each other. You know, there I'm sure there was times where controllers were whipped across the locker room. So no, that's awesome, man. Oh, and that's, without a doubt. And you, and you need that, like you said. I mean, it's it's being with the guys and those little moments, right, that you really look back on. You're like, yeah, that was – I mean, and you and you hear from all the big leaguers too, right, when they're done playing. It's like, you know, what do you miss most about baseball or, you know, any sport really? And it's like I don't miss the sport necessarily as much itself and, you know, the grind and the, you know, constant soreness and things like that. It's like being with the guys in those little moments is what you hear guys always talking about missing. So it's good that you guys are getting enough of that experience and, and you know, and you don't even have to leave your uh, apartment. You got, you know, you guys got the, the, the dream set up right there with you and Ryan and Cole. So that's awesome. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's funny, too, because, you know. There's a uh, there's five of us that live here now since Jensen just moved in and I kid you not there's never only five people in this apartment it is six seven eight thirteen fifteen whatever it is everyone is always over here at all times this place is never empty like ever there's always people like there's always TVs goes on there's always music playing like this is the party apartment for all the guys just to hang out and have a good time. That's amazing. There's a one one last question for you before we get out of here. Um, worth reaching out to uh, Ryan and Cole on Twitter and seeing if they would want to come on the pod too. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. I, I mean, I definitely think they'd help on. They yeah. like I said, they're really you know super laid back dudes. I think they'd absolutely you know love to talk and have a good time on the air. That's awesome, man. Well, yeah. Hey, I'm I'm I know you know. Schwartz and I are both grateful for you joining us again. I mean, it's it's fun to be, you know not only catch up with you and and ask you how your off season went since it's been about you know four months since we got, gotten to speak to you, but uh, you know just hearing you know letting people know what kind of you know guy you are and your personality and letting that shine through that stuff that you know nobody gets to necessarily see, especially on social media. I mean, I, you know, I feel like for athletes sometimes it's tough unless you're Cole Franklin. So um, <laughs> you know you got the the little things like that, but Cole. Thanks so much, man. We don't want to take too much of your time today. I know you got to get back to doing some stuff. So thank you once again, and uh, we look forward to talking to you very soon. And uh, a clan of us is definitely going to try and make it out to a game uh, when you, you begin playing this year, and hopefully we can uh, meet up and introduce ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be awesome. And thank you guys so much for having me. It's always a blast coming on. Hey, man, we appreciate it. Thanks so much, Cole. Yeah, thanks a ton, Cole. Have a good one. You too, man. You too, man. And that was Cole Roeder. Thank you so much, Cole, once again for coming back on. You are the absolute best man. Uh, always a pleasure now, the second time that we've gotten to chat with him. Uh, right before he opens up spring training, he, he told me that they report 
uh, as we mentioned in the interview on the 21st, which is coming up this week. So, um, you know, he's already back in Arizona and getting ready for uh, for minor league spring training. So we're excited to watch Cole and see where he uh, where he ends up this year, you know, starting the year and obviously where he ultimately finishes the year, hopefully. Um, you know, we see a lot of growth out of him this year because I know I'm very excited to, to keep tabs on Cole for the rest of the year. And ladies and gentlemen, we thank you for joining us for this quite lengthy episode. Uh, it's a lot of good content in there, though. Uh, big thank yous to Juice, um, co-host for part one of the episode, and then uh, Mr. Schwartzy is my co-host for part two of the episode. We're really happy to have those guys uh, in the fold, obviously, and um, you'll continue to hear all of the great Cubs voices here at Cubs on Tap as we roll into March and ultimately uh, into the season at the end of March. I do want to remind you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that you can get all of our works, our literature and podcasting, uh, great works, needs, wants, and desires of yours about your favorite Chicago sports teams over at www.ontapsportsnet.com. You can also find us all over the social medias, that is Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at ONTAP Sportsnet. We have great Cubs coverage. You're listening to some of that right now, obviously, we're here at Cubs on Tap. We also have great Bears, Bulls, and Blackhawks coverage, all in full swing. Obviously, Bears offseason is coming around the corner. Bulls and Blackhawks are still very much in season, even though their records maybe aren't as great as they could be. But we still got great coverage over there. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, listening to this, let's be honest, Cubs fans, we all have a friend that's a White Sox fan. So go ahead and direct them over to us here at ONTAP Sportsnet as well, as I think we have some of the best White Sox coverage around. So once again, that is www.ontapsportsnet.com, and that is at ONTAP Sportsnet on the social medias. The ONTAP Sports Network. Go ahead and check out what's on tap in Chicago sports. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for joining us here on this Cubs on Tap episode. A nice, long, juicy episode for you. Lots of good content in this one. Uh, Once again, I am your host for both parts of this episode, Ron Luce. Thanks again to Juice, Schwartzy, and Cole uh, for joining us today in their various capacities. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll get out of here the only way we know how to here at Cubs on Tap with a good old Let's Go Cubby. Cubby.